This is Biz, and if hosting One Bad Mother for over 10 years has taught me anything, it's that parenting is hard and nobody gives a shit. So belly up to the low bar, where fine is good enough and you'll never feel alone. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, lowering the bar doesn't mean going to the bar. We talked to Celeste Yvonne, author of the new book, It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture. Welcome, Celeste. Thank you, Biz. <laughs> wow, that was clever. I love it. Um, you know, what is it, 10, 11 years into this? I gotta, I gotta keep working on those titles. Plus, we have like a whole, like we constantly talk about lowering the bar on this show. And so yeah. our joke is... Welcome to the low bar. It has evolved over time where fine is good enough, you know? And so, like, yeah, the bar keeps getting lower. Yeah. Oh, just it is. <laughs> you basically stand on top of it now because it's just like a little brick. That's right. about as high as it gets. Before we get going, I want to give everybody a little background and introduce you formally to our listeners. So, Celeste Javon, sober mom advocate, is a writer certified recovery coach with over 20 years of experience as a communications professional in corporate America. Her essays on parenting, the mental load of motherhood, mommy wine culture, and sobriety resonates with mothers everywhere and has been featured in the Washington Post, Good Morning America, Today Show, and Refinery29, among others. Over five years sober and a founding host of the Sober Mom Squad, Celeste advocates for mothers who struggle with addiction and mental health. And to be honest, after reading the book, you're advocating for a lot more. And uh, yeah, I want to start a little bit with your story, like, and how this wound up kind of becoming a career <laughs> for you before, before I really want to delve into, you know, uh, all of the things that you really tackle when you say it's not about the wine. Yeah. I want to find out your story. But I want to start that story with the question that we ask everybody. And that is, who lives in your house? In my house uh, lives my husband. <laughs> I've got two boys who are seven and nine. Ah. Uh, I got two dogs and five chickens, but they don't live in the house. They live outside the house. I'm very excited about chickens. <laughs> I'm less excited about seven and nine because that is a lot. It's rough. Yeah. No, I just. <laughs> they yes. are, they are the biggest frenemies you've ever met. Like oh, yeah. just this love hate relationship. Always going at it. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. No, I, it's very relaxing to have kids in your house. I have found just like, if you need to meditate, definitely, definitely just have kids be oh, yeah. in your house. No, that's key. Yeah. Actually. I, I forgot to mention my my mother is we're living with her right now while we do a home remodel. So she's also a part of this. Yeah, probably for another six months. Yeah. Is that so. relaxing too? Is that no, no. This is a really good way to begin the the family estrangement conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I just. Thank you. I, I really value that honesty 100%. <laughs> yep. That sounds like a great place. And it also sounds like the perfect recipe for a lot of what you have talked about in your work. And I'm going to guess 
into your story. So, so tell us a little bit about, about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny when you're living with your, with a parent again, Yeah, the power dynamics in some ways are different because now you're an adult, but in some ways they remain the same. And there's really this weird push and pull going on between us that I feel and I sense, but in every way, it also brings me back to my 16 year old self going, what the hell's going on? So it's, <laughs> it's rough. I mean, in so many ways, I, yeah. <laughs> if I can do really this all is. over again, we would make some different choices. But yeah. in any case, you know, speaking of being 16, I, I grew up in a family of addiction. My father was an alcoholic. Uh, so I lived in a, in a family of codependency, in a family of secrets and shame. And it was our family secret. We didn't talk about it. Everybody knew about it. We just didn't talk about it. And it all was great and fine and dandy. He was a high-functioning drinker until he wasn't. And when I was 15, he had a stroke and it permanently disabled him. He had to stop working and his drinking just went all downhill from there. And it, it, it was a heartbreaking experience as somebody who really idolized my dad for a long time to see that transformation and to see him kind of fall from, from the sky in just a moment's time, the way I saw him. And I looked at him very differently after that. And I told myself I, I would never be like that. I would never put my family through that. And that's about when, you know, I started focusing on eating and eating disorders and eating disorder behavior, because that was something I had control over. I had yeah. control over what I put in my body. And I saw the effects of weight loss and what it had over attention. People praised me, you know, yeah. in high school, people said I was beautiful. Now, you know, I was finally getting attention from other people in a way I had never gotten attention before. And I really kind of spiraled into this kind of food obsession over the years. And it was a long process. You know, college was much worse. Yeah. My 20s was really hard. And then once I felt like I finally had gotten control over my eating, my drinking kind of just took over. I just traded one for the next. The two uh, go remarkably hand in hand. I, I am not sure yeah. I have you know, with friends and family who have dealt with eating disorders. And and sometimes it goes the opposite way, where it goes from drinking to an eating disorder. You know, you wonder all the other different paths it can additionally take. Yeah. But I think for women, those two have such built-in messaging for us. And I, I know we're going to get into that with your book. So you were saying it had shifted to the drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It's so common. I had no idea how, how common that overlap was until I started my recovery journey. But um, I started drinking and, and I was a party drinker in a, yeah. a, a lot of ways. It wasn't until I became a mom that things turn to more secretive. It turned to drinking alone, you know, because in motherhood, you're in alone. parenthood, you're alone a you lot. You are alone a lot. 
Yeah, you are isolated and alone. Even if you are surrounded by people, the isolation, like that sense is, you know, and it goes right back to words you just said, which was no one was talking about it, right? Like we don't, and we just carry that burden of like aloneness and isolation. And it's like, there could be nothing farther from the truth people are so experiencing similar things, but that doesn't negate it, right? Like, and you're right. Right. And there's like chunks of the day where you are completely by yourself. Or (laughs) what else you gonna do? (laughs) Yeah, you know, you always, I I hear this now all the time where people go, I'm never alone because I have my kids at home. It's not the same. (laughs) But the, to use that even as justification to drink because you're not drinking alone is like, holy shit. And I mean, that is the kind of stuff that I fell for time and time again, (laughs) you know, anything to justify it, anything to make myself feel like I wasn't alone, Uh, like other people could understand. And that's why I think mommy wine culture just sucked me in. Like that is exactly the messaging I needed to hear to validate what was increasingly becoming a drinking problem. So I, I, I fell into this trap, this whole mommy needs wine trap that really took over social media and the internet in the 2010s. Yeah. And it was such a normalized message that you see and hear everywhere. I whine because my kids whine. Yeah. Mommy drinks because uh, my kids me. whine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the reason mommy. my mom drinks. <laughs> yeah. Mommy drinks because she doesn't have time off from work and there's not a fair balance of workloads and emotional loads. Exactly. You can't go into a Michael's art supply store, right? It's not like it's like, hi, I'm at Michael's. I've come to get some perler beads to make something. <laughs> and like, boom, there's it's like right next to the fall baskets is the like pumpkin spice and more wine. You know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just everywhere and I I do want to talk about the messaging but I want to talk a little bit about the messaging I remember back in my first gender studies class you know um when it wasn't even a thing that was really offered right at one of the colleges I went to and seeing advertising examples from the 60s and 70s and even the 80s like there's the famous one of like or the one that's famous to me that's will forever be in my head it's a advertisement for candy's shoes and there is a woman asleep on the bed and there are a pair of candy shoes on the ground next to the bed and if you look in her closet there are a pair of male shoes because there is somebody standing in that closet. Now, I don't know what the fuck that was supposed to be about. But it was like so like, oh, you know, like everybody, your brain is like. And the point of my dad was in advertising. I know that the point of advertising is to lie to people, to convince them to, uh, to buy your things when mm-hmm. they don't need it. And I know that advertising plays very heavily into our country's systemic history of racism. I know it has to do with class. I know it plays into, you know, and gender. And 
the mommy wine, what was so interesting about reading the book is really how intense it is. I, I especially was looking at the like skinny mom vodka and like mm-hmm. what a crossover message that is, you know, but like, yes. talk to me about what you were discovering as you started really taking this apart. Yeah, you know, it's, this is not a new, the whole mommy needs wine is not a new message. No, it's been going on for decades, if not longer, the more I'm hearing about this. But when you think about mommy's little helper in the 60s and 70s, you know, that was for Valium. And that was the original mommy's little helper. But as legislature pushed down to kind of reduce what they were realizing, like, was a very harmful drug. The message transitioned to this mommy needs wine. And it's not on accident. A lot of the alcohol industry's messaging and their money, their advertising money went into trying to incorporate women into the market. The the women, mm-hmm. women were missing in their market and they decided to pinkwash their market to increase their customers and it's worked. It's been very effective. So between (laughs) the advertising and this mommy needs wine meme and concept that just kind of exploded on its own. I mean, I mean, they've worked together so well to get us to this place where mothers, women statistically are drinking more than ever. And statistically we're seeing that we're at a place where there's more ER visits, there's more hospitalizations for alcohol use than we've ever seen in history. And this is, I feel like, been true historically for the gender equality movement, this sort of sinister use of any step forward Mm -hmm. being manipulated into sort of blinding us to the fact that we're being pushed two steps back at the same time. It's faux feminism. Yeah, it's it's the faux feminism. And I think as a longtime feminist, I, I well, born a fucking feminist. What? Do I want equality? Guess I'm a feminist. Anyway, the uh, it is not a dirty word, everybody. Anybody who's <laughs> telling you it is, is fucking with you. But the the experience of pregnancy and having kids in my house and all of it has been one of the most eye-opening like I when I when we started the podcast the big thing was mommy wars that was like had just come out and I was like I don't think that's actually a thing you know I I'm gonna call bullshit on that I think this is just another way to pit women against each other to get us to not trust or listen or go on the defensive. And I'm thinking about the messaging of the mommy wine time, which at its core, besides the sinister side, but like as a, as a mom, who is <laughs> a person with kids in my house, it is about finding any fucking space imaginable that is quiet or that is that I can claim as mine. And that does look like a glass of wine or two or three at the end of the day. Happy to admit that. Mm -hmm. And 
you touch on in the book, that's the real issue here. It's not it's not necessarily the wine. It is right. the fact that there's clearly something missing that's making us go towards that. And when you like if we had had this conversation 10 years ago, I might have my hackles up. I might be like, what? I'm all right. I'm a what? But like <laughs> you went out socially online and were like, I'm, you started bringing this up and you did not get always super positive responses. So based on your experiences, <laughs> your personal experiences, how are we coping just even confronting this question, right? Like, it is way easier just to post a fucking funny meme. I mean, I oh, don't yeah. do social media. Like, very, I'm very bad at it. But I get it. I get it. You know? So talk to talk to me about that. Yeah, you know, it was, it's so interesting because I've been on both sides of it, right? Like yeah. if you, you say 10 years ago, if you talked to me about it six years ago, I would yeah. have been like, fuck you. Like, yeah. let me just have my wine. <laughs> exactly. I have, I have lost everything else in motherhood. Let yeah. me have this. Yeah. Don't take this from me too. So I yeah. get that. I yeah. get that anger and frustration when people push back on, on me uh, over this message. And that's why I try to be so clear that this isn't a, a conversation about wine. No one is trying to take your wine away. Right. What I want to understand <laughs> and what I what I tried in this book to try to understand better is why are we in this place where the only thing we have left at the end of the day is a wine glass yes. and some wine? Like, why aren't we in a place where this feels fun and fulfilling and joyful and satisfying instead yeah. of the exact opposite where we are so bent out of shape at the end of the day that uh, we are weeping into a wine glass. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and people were <laughs> you're right. And I will say, I appreciate that. And you start off the book saying that, look, I am not, this is not about me coming on and saying, don't drink. This is really looking at this larger question. And everybody get ready. I have my highlighter out. Okay. <laughs> I have pages eared. One of the things that like hit me and again comes back, I mean, we can really talk about personal journeys all day and there is great value in that. But again, looking at this larger mm -hmm. void that is leading to this and it's we can replace wine with a lot of stuff guys oh yeah there is a serious void in support for parents and for women and for individual parents solo parenting why have we turned to humor instead of exploring the pain we're feeling and finding solutions to it and you know i know i i know the answer Humor's way easier. Let's don't ever actually be mad and expressive because if we are, we will scare people. They don't want to see angry women because that's uncomfortable. And we're not supposed to be mad or raise our voices. Even in this day and age, that message is still there. And 
So talk to me. Why? Why? I know you don't have the complete answer, but you've done some work. So tell why? Why do we do that? I think we have grown up, you know, speaking for myself, growing up believing people like me better when I'm drunk and skinny. I mean, honestly, <laughs> when numbed out and yeah. small. You know, I feel like all these things that I was conditioned to believe that made me of value in this world was when I was not causing a problem, not taking up space, when I was people pleasing. I mean, there's so many messages that have been sent to us over the years of what makes um, a valuable woman. Right. And um, I you know, I, I ate it for breakfast or yeah. lack thereof. And here we are at this place where once I finally quit drinking and I had to kind of get to the root of why am I so angry? Why am I so enraged? Because <laughs> you're a woman. <laughs> and I've been drinking, to, I've been numbing out this yes. feeling for years. Yes. And that was a real... Uh, 360 emotion because it made me realize why it's so much easier to laugh it off with humor than to to go there in the conversation because now we start talking about things that are much more higher level than how many glasses of wine you're going to have tonight it's you know about making legislative changes it's about systemic issues we're seeing and it's about feminism i mean it's about things people don't want to dig into and it's just easier to laugh it off. Yeah, of course it is. Ha 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 I also want to say systemic, and I it's true. I think something that's important to mention, and, and you do mention it in the book, is the idea of mommy wine culture is like a lot of things in mainstream parenting, very much a geared towards or voiced through a privileged, educated, white woman, middle-class lens. Absolutely. And that people of color are experiencing a much different, like they, like that it is just systemically people of color saying, I drink at night has a very different connotation in our society and is treated very differently than, you know, PTA mom, Harper Valley PTA, you know, like, I've got wine in my thermos, you know, like, who wants it, right? Like, uh, it's like totally different. And that's really something to be mindful of because, again, people are having such different experiences but as as women, we have an opportunity to not play into some of those divisions that have come up, right? To not, right. to be aware of it, right? To be aware that my friend or this parent across from me at this table or school event or whatever is going to have a very different experience with what we're just chit chatting about, you know, mm-hmm. and I and I think, but I think that's important, and I think I'm very happy while angered at the attention that has been long overdue on the differences and 
life-threatening inadequacies uh, that surround parenting and pregnancy for people of color. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, thank you for pointing that out. And I yeah, am sure, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you talk about it because there's a reason you only or mostly see white upper-class women making these jokes. It's a, yeah. it's a privileged message. And that is something that we need to acknowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you also touch on the marketing for dads and beer. And, you know, guys, I am, you, everybody knows who's listened to this show for years. I, I, I am not going to soft coat people with uteruses experiences in this world. Okay. <laughs> it's fucked up. That is also happening at the same time experiences are happening to other people and other parents dads for sure get the like glass of whiskey at the end of the day and the beer and the like but they also get the messaging it's okay to leave home to do it right whenever they want whenever they want and and that's a that's a bad message right Well, and that's, you know, that speaks to kind of the challenges we're talking about when when you're looking at one of the bigger reasons why are moms drinking more and you look at this unequal distribution of labor at home. Mm-hmm. And if we are going to have a home where both partners are putting in equal amounts of labor and household duties, yeah, we need to stop sending this message that men can opt out whenever they want that when a father is watching children he's babysitting you know these right. are the bullshit messages we send that help that enable all of this activity yeah, yeah. it's the enabling and mm-hmm. you know none of this is about beating ourselves up or beating each other up it's having these discussions so that the next time we're in the situation, we can be like, oh, maybe I won't laugh at that or say that or post that or, post you that. know, or I will be more mindful. I'd like to talk a little bit more about what you found through your work as being some of the things we really need to focus on to to support each other, to how are ways we can help in our circles, right? And online, but as well as like, you know, systemically, tell me, tell me what to do. Celeste, boss me around. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I need to just put together a cheat sheet. Like here's yes. what we can do right now. <laughs> because like, I just it. Yeah. And that's, I think the frustration, I think when you start breaking down Mm -hmm. these questions, like why are we drinking? And a lot of them are so big picture. It's frustrating because it's like, well, that's not going to change in the next five years. That's not going to change. And it's both, right? There are things we can be doing today and there are things that are going to take a while (laughs) to change. And we just need to start having these conversations. But, you know, the thing I tell anybody who just brought a baby home is to look at your household labor, look at the distribution of labor in your household, break it down piece by piece and redistribute. 
if you have multiple caregivers in the household, redistribute because you're going to have to with a baby. Yeah. Things will not stay the same. And I, I hate that we aren't telling <laughs> yeah. more new parents this because we all get to learn about it in the first couple weeks after the baby comes home and you're like, nobody told me about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's where that resentment builds, you know, like Absolutely. we have all delved into, you know, mommy resentment. And I can also hate mommy anything, but that's okay. That's me and my personal tonal <laughs> trigger words. But that resentment, if you have, I mean, I know that me and my partner had conversations. We thought we'd had conversations before. And then we are still having conversations 13 years into kids in this house or 14 years. And it's, those are hard. And, but you're right. They are, if you don't have them, that resentment, I still will remember my friend, Martha, who was one of our first guests on this show talking about being in the bedroom covered in a baby just watching her husband brush his teeth. She was like, <laughs> he was just brushing his teeth and taking the sweetest time. <laughs> not a care in the world. <laughs> not a care in the world. And obviously that was not also true, but I just like that is that like isolation feeling that you can have in that moment. And you're right. So, okay. So check one. Let's all be really honest with each other about what it's like to have a baby in your house and not like in a, like you'll get past it or like a demeaning way because everybody's experience will be different. So boom, next, what next? All right. Let's talk about impossible parenting standards that we present oh. on social media in real life. I mean, not only are these unrealistic, there are highlight reel. I get that. But when we look at each other's highlight reels, we have a tendency to think we're failing. Yeah. So if we get more open and vocal and vulnerable about just how hard this is, when we need help, when we are in a rough spot, and then also not making out this hustle culture, this do it all, uh, and uh, stop idolizing it. Like nobody is winning with that sort of mindset mentality, least of all the people doing it all. Yeah, We need to take a step back from what we have culturally decided shows a good parent and shows uh, somebody who's succeeding in life based off of how many extracurricular activities their children attend. Yeah, that involves a lot of driving, and I do not like driving my children places. So <laughs> I have not encouraged my children to do anything extracurricular. <laughs> and I, I think they're better off for it, too. I mean, what... Being overscheduled right. helps yeah. nobody, I know, um, but it does build the resentment and the mental load, and it does feed into our burnout. Yeah. Uh, so that that's something else that I would strongly suggest that we could start <laughs> doing today. Uh, and then this one, this one's a hard one because I think you you're going to hear it and you're going to roll your eyes, and that is to find a community. And when I say that, I'm not saying you know where's your village? Because I, I feel like for right. most of us, when you hear that, you're like, dude, if I had a village, I'd be using yeah. it. Right. Right. But the good news is, especially since the pandemic community support communities have come up and there are spaces for mothers, for caretakers to be able to talk to each other, 
Yeah, Uh, to get their needs met, to get their questions answered. I was in the parenting community for the past six months where they've got coaches online just to answer any of the struggles any new parent's having. I mean, this is... I think this is as close as we can come to a village in 2023, but it helps. And it certainly helps you not feel alone. It's certainly validating to say, you would not believe what my kid is starting to do now. And perhaps to have other caretakers say, (laughs) oh, we know. (laughs) We've been through that. Well, you make a great point. And this, this is one of our, you know, like tenants, I would say. And that is... You sometimes you just want to rant. You're not looking for advice. You're not you're not looking for help. You just want to be seen. And I yeah. think there's a a thing in your book about you know when a mom like you witnessing a friend post a thing about a difficult day at work and kids and like somebody like a friend of a friend posting that sounds like somebody needs wine. You're like sounds like somebody just needs to be seen and heard and told. You're right. That guy is, you're right to feel that way, right? Like, and I think the more we can do that instead of the quick meme is a, is a really supportive, people just want to be seen. It's fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in motherhood, right? When it feels yeah. like everything you're doing is invisible. You know, when you yeah. are a new parent, most of the stuff you're doing certainly isn't appreciated. Your, your baby is probably happy to be alive, but right. it doesn't it doesn't give a shit that you're picking up all the clothes off the floor. It I mean, it's not it's no worse <laughs> or better for them. So to to be doing all the things we do as new parents and feeling like ninety percent of it goes unnoticed, it can mm-hmm. feel really jarring and really lonely. Well, not just unnoticed, but the moment you hear a friend say their kid slept through the night or whatever, or is potty trained, it turns that like, well, they're judging me and I'm judging me. And like, you know, like that self-judgment. And I think actually that will segue us beautifully into our genius and fail moment. Everybody stick around. Celeste, when we come back, we're going to listen to some genius and fails. And I got to tell you, before we do that, I want to tell people that you go right to the show notes right now and there'll be a link to where you can get her book. It's not about the wine, the loaded truth behind mommy wine culture. This is not a guilt book, guys. This is a what is systemically happening in our society that's making this like be okay. So it's another Bisbee treat. So get your highlighters out. Go buy the book. Uh, And come back and we will do our genius and fails. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Miracle Made. Miracle Made sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. And these sheets are on my bed right now. They are incredibly soft, incredibly comfortable, which is very important to me and my ever-changing body temperature. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. 
Go to trymiracle.com slash badmother. If you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo badmother at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%, dear Lord. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash badmother to treat yourself to a free towel set and over 40% off. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. <laughs> Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. <laughs> Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Hey, you know what it's time for? This week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206 206- Three five zero nine four eight five, and we're back. <laughs> Always cracks me up, guys, because I'm just still sitting here with Celeste and Gabe, and I'm acting like we were gone, but we weren't. I'm I'm like looking at this Zoom screen. Anyway, very cool behind the scene magic. It is time for genius and fails. I will, as as host, start us out to really. Guys, I'm excited about this genius. I've already told Gabe. Uh, Mom took Ellis, who is my child, and his two best friends, two other uh, currently identifying as male (laughs) kids, to see the Barbie movie yesterday. And here is what is so fucking great. One, they all wanted to see it. And there was not a single moment of questioning, should we, as nine-year-old boys, go see this movie? They were all super excited, and they all came out of it saying it was amazing. In fact, I haven't seen it yet. I'm taking Katie Bell tonight to go see it. And so I'm full of the spoilers from my nine-year-old, Ellis, who's like, <laughs> who's like, Ken brought the patriarchy to Barbie land. And I'm like, I fucking love you. But the genius, look, the genius here is that there are three kids who clearly were in a house where no one once told them that something was for girls only or whatever. Just, I know that we didn't like consciously do it. We weren't like shoving Barbies in his face or anything. We just never spoke of it. We just never spoke that something was boy or girl. We did. It was a toy. And I just loved it. And I loved that that was with two other kids too, that that was happening in their house. And it was just the best. It was the best. I feel like of all, my kid does not know how to eat with a spoon, but had zero, zero self-consciousness about seeing the Barbie movie. So to me, big win, big genius. 
Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. How do you top that? Uh, this morning, this, you know, my kids, I told you, the frenemies, they fight, they bicker, <laughs> and no, no time is better than in the car when they're yeah. contained next to each other. Yeah. And we were kind of having a conversation where the kids were saying, you're so mean to me. The only reason I'm mean is because you're mean back. <laughs> and I said to my, my nine-year-old, I said, does being mean to him back ever work? And there was this quiet pause. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but my hope is there was an aha moment. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, but, but like, you know, I, you you got to take your wins where you can. And I, I'm hoping that at least I got him thinking a little bit. I, I like the idea of planting festering seeds of wisdom, right? That like eventually one day this little nugget, I like it. Uh, I think I think it's you should write another book. And it's but it's a parenting book about wisdom bombs to drop on your children. I, it's amazing. I think it's really very good. Good job. I think my friends and family hearing me that I wrote a parenting book I know. would <laughs> they would mark me as officially, yeah, done. Yeah. Donezo. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Biz. This is a genius. I was out taking my little two-year-old to breakfast, and I forgot a bib, and she's a messy eater, and I got her a waffle. And, of course, I didn't give her the syrup. I'm not that big of a fool, but it was, they were like <laughs> breakfast potatoes, and they were, it was messy. It was messy. I didn't have bib. She was wearing a really cute shirt. I didn't want her to get it all dirty, because <laughs> we had a lot of things to do the whole day. And what I, I did have, not a bib, but I had a plastic grocery sack. Yes. And I had a carabiner on my on my purse because I always do because that's what I put my keys on. <clears throat> so I took that little grocery sack and I put her arms through the handles. And then oh I God. clipped the excess around. Oh, son of a bitch. Shut up. Um, sorry, my alarm went off to water my plants. Um, <laughs> I put the carabiner on the back to hold it in place. And she wore that grocery sack in the bib and she did not get pancakes or breakfast potatoes all over her shirt and it was a genius I felt like such a genius and now I feel like a genius because I just found two flies and my child for some reason is definitely afraid of flies and I'm gonna kill these fuckers all right I hope you are having a fantastic day and uh you're doing a really good job thanks oh my god okay there are multiple geniuses here. And I just want to, first of all, shout out the carabiner because I need one because I that actually would solve my key problem. So thank you for that. Also, the plastic bag bib. See, what's so magnificent about this is that anybody seeing a person pulling out a plastic bag and going for their child with it uh, might give you a judgmental stink face. But I, it is actually a perfect bib. It is a perfect, perfect, it's like the like garbage bag poncho when you're like caught somewhere and it's raining. I love this. And I think you are doing a miraculous job. I appreciate that it went from waffles to pancakes, which lets me know where your brain is. You're tired. You have a two-year-old. So 
I don't know. I don't, I'm now I'm like always have a plastic bag. It reminds me of Red Lobster. They give you that little yes. plastic bib for your lobster. Yes. Yes. We should just carry those around. I know. A, <laughs> go to Red Lobster, steal a bunch, and get your little cheese biscuits because those are the fucking best. And then we have, I love it. I love it. You are doing a great job. Also, she set a timer to water her plants. That is also something I dream of doing and will never do because low bar. You're doing yeah, well, great. That's next level. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Obviously, I'm not setting a timer <laughs> to water my fucking plants. All right. Failure. Okay. This is, this is, this is reasonable. So, Ellis, who we all know uh, is beautifully wired uh, differently, and uh, it's been a, a long journey to friends, and we have some really great friends, and it's it's really good. We're back from our trip. Every, all the friends are back. We still have two weeks till school, and he has a hangout with one of his friends, and it goes great. I mean, it, it is so much fun that when they come to get the kid, they're both like, more, 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 and we're like, oh, fine. How about tomorrow? Because it's summer. We have nothing else to do. So... The next day, I'm like, 1030, we're going over to your friend's house, and you're going to be there all day. Who's excited? I'm excited. I go get that kid, <laughs> and I know, look, I'm a person who has had the double play date at myself, and I mean, it feels like just yesterday, the crushing disappointment of the play date that bleeds into the sleepover or the sleepover that bleeds into the play, whatever, as my mother would say, too much sugar for a dime. And that is what that day was. I picked that kid up, did not have a lot of fun, very emotionally dysregulated. Too much sugar for a dime, Celeste. Too much sugar for a dime. And I just sat there thinking to myself, that is totally my fault. I should have dealt with the Mm. disappointment of not getting to continue the first play date. And literally what I said to Ellis was, yeah, those types of second day play days don't really work out. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes it's just a lesson you got to learn. Uh, I don't think that was helpful either. So uh, there you go. Nailing it. Get ready to enjoy spending every single day with your friend at school. Anyway, Celeste. <laughs> it, just, it just, it reminds me so much of dating. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. Let's teach them young. Yeah. The second day play dates. They just three. don't work. Yeah, they don't work. And three, three at a sleepover. <laughs> no yeah. way, not gonna work. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, my parenting book. Go ahead. Well, yeah, no, it, let's add to the parenting book yeah. here because uh, talk about a fail. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I shouldn't even talk about this because there's oh, so much it. judgment when it comes do to it. Um, co-sleeping. Oh, and fuck yeah. I, <laughs> I've been, me and my, my husband, we switch off every night. I will lay with one child and he lays with the other child until they fall asleep. And then we, we leave and my kids are seven and nine. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting a little old. And so now, you know, finally, you know, we're at this place where it's like, okay, we have to equip them for the future. So of course it's just been brutal. And yeah. my 
my oldest is just like, how do you expect me to sleep without a warm body next to me? And, you know, we're trying different things. You know, I've tried putting the dog on the bed. I've tried putting stuffed animals on the bed. <laughs> but it's just, it's a shit show every oh, night. It's a shit and show. Like 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, you know, when my head is done, like yeah. I am done, gentle parenting, be gone. Yeah. I just, I have nothing left to me. And sometimes I, I'm just like, you know, screw it. We'll, we'll work on this problem tomorrow. Okay. First of all, you're doing a horrible job. How dare you provide comfort to your children and create a situation in which it allows you to get some sleep. That but I, I, I picture my, my kid yeah, at 20 college. years old yeah, in college being like, you. where's my mommy? <laughs> I know. Oh, man, this is so good because I, I'm like, well, this may be how they go to college. Guess they'll still be wearing that diaper in college or whatever. But the I just want to say. Ellis is nine, and up until we went traveling where our bed situation was different every day, one of us had to be in the room right next to his room with the door open until he fell asleep. And, like, I, we had gone from a period of where we hadn't been doing that, like when he was younger, and then, I don't know, he aged into it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I also am like, this is not how I want to spend my like hour and a half before I'm tired and want to go to sleep. This is not how I like this kid's got to sleep on his fucking own. Like what the, what is the deal? So I just want you to know that I see you and that secretly I'm here to tell you, not secretly, very openly. I'm here to tell you fucking they ain't going to sleep with you in college. It'll be (laughs) fine. Or with their first partner. (laughs) Eventually, they'll replace you with somebody you disapprove of. Don't worry. But publicly, I guess we should all be like, shame, shame. How dare you be doing that? Yeah, tisk, tisk. Tisk, tisk. (laughs) You just made 100 people feel better, by the way. (laughs) Good. We are not alone, everyone. We are not alone. Oh, yeah. Not even a little. Hi, Dave. I'm calling with a sale. This is a classic. I loaded up my younger two kids, 8 and 11 years old, uh, drove all the way to the grocery store, and then realized that I had left my purse at home, and I had absolutely zero ways to pay for groceries. So I just turned around and went home. I didn't even do the shopping that day. At that point, it was hot. I had wrangled two kids into the car and had wrangled them back out, and I realized they're not babies anymore. There weren't car seats involved, but, like, Eight-year-olds and eleven-year-olds have opinions about whether yeah. they're going to go to the store with you. Yeah. Anyway, I just I just gave up for the day. I yeah. made substitutions on dinner, and we all went without a banana the next morning until I could get to the store today. <laughs> anyway, you're doing a great job. I did finally make it to the store today. Thanks, Biz. Bye. Oh my God, y'all! How dare you? How dare you? Oh my God, that a. It sucks that that fail can continue to happen to us, okay? That it, it happens it happens once and you think, never again. And then the 15th time, you're like, oh my God, what is happening? Also, I don't think I like having any age children in my car or trying to get them in my car. So, you know, who cares if they're still in a car seat, right? It's still a pain in the ass because... 
for whatever reason, going to the grocery store is our alone time. So fail there in having your quality private time at the grocery store. <laughs> and then I just, I like that you should see, I feel like this is where one bed mother has been leading to this point of just like, and then I just gave up on the day. I just said, that was it. I'm done. We're not doing anything else today. I've, I've done it. That's the parenting book right there. Yeah, gave it up. That's it. This thing, somebody, you know, shat all over the couch. I'm done. Day, day is done. Didn't, got all the way to the store. And some of us, like, I don't know what situation you live in, but, like, sometimes stores aren't close, you know? Sometimes they are not anywhere near you. Or they're, like, there are certain windows that are better to go to the store that, I, you know, th- also... I don't know. Have you memorized your store's layout? Like, do you feel like weird, like pride in how you handle a grocery store? I feel like that's under talked about, right? Like I can get through that store so fast. I know where they all are. Don't change where you put the Nutella sticks because that's going to mess up my whole day. When Costco changes the layout, oh, worst days ever. Worst Give up. That's it. No parenting today, everybody. Costco (laughs) has changed where the batteries are. Well, you're doing a horrible job. You know, I don't know. Going out, remembering that you're a person. I, I, I Honestly, it is just a failure. And you were smart to just stop everything. Absolutely. Quit while you're ahead. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Celeste, this was so much fun. And I, you know, I, again, and I said this earlier, I was nervous about the book. And then it wound up becoming like just one of my favorite. We really are at a even more scary place when it comes to healthcare for people with uteruses in this country, whether that's physical health or mental health. And I think we tend to slap these. I mean, having a glass of wine is as easy as posting a meme. And I am glad, like it is, it is a very helpful book in looking at our culture and how we continue to sort of gaslight women into thinking that there is a very easy fix for something that is actually incredibly difficult. So thank you. We're going to link you up to where you can pre-order your book. As well, it comes out in September. So like just next week, get ready for it. If your like school or whatever has a book club, this is a good one. It's always fun. Uh, or maybe it's not a good one for a book. I don't know. It's a good one for a book club. So Celeste, thank you so much. And you're doing a really remarkable job. And I appreciate that you chose to be incredibly honest and public with this journey and everything you're you're doing. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Biz. Yeah. It's so nice to hear that. Yeah. No, it is. I see you. That's none of that was easy. People said really horrible things to you and probably will continue to do that. And that fucking sucks. So you're doing a really good job. And I hope you continue to co-sleep with your children until it gets weird for them. <laughs> Make that? it weird. Make it yeah. weird. <laughs> <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you.
The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Cow. The queen is dead. Long live the queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. No ring the bell. All right, everybody. It's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. And I want to warn you that this call came in as a fail but I felt needed to be placed here. Hi, Business Teresa. This is a fail. I have four-year-old twins. Sometimes they're just a lot, um, and I just always feel like I'm doing it wrong, and I'm never doing it good enough. Last night, one of my girls who really hates, really, really hates having her hair combed, she gets really crappy tangles. She has really wavy hair. I had to do it. We'd been in the pool and the beach, and I just had to comb it out. And she was being so frustrating, throwing stuff at me, being really, you know, she was really upset. And I was really upset. There was a curse at the, at the ceiling. And I, like, threw the comb down at one point and stormed off. And I came back. But it was just so tragic when she said to me, crying, when we had, like, repaired a little bit, she said, Mommy, are you okay with me? With tears in her eyes. And I just felt like the worst human on the planet. I'm definitely doing a terrible job. I love the show. First of all, you're actually doing a remarkably good job. I see you having twins. We, I mean, that that's already a lot. And what, they're two? That's too much. And you are already living in a house with big feelings, big emotions, lots of noise, lots of emotional labor. And, you know, the thing about like hair or whatever, fingernails, pick the part of your like kids grooming that, you know, can become something that we really can tie up our own feelings of like guilt about. Like I just stop cutting Ellis's nails. And I don't know what state they're in. I really don't. I really don't. I'm not saying don't brush your kid's hair, right? I'm just saying that, like, I understand that, like, knowing it has to get done, not wanting to do it, not want. Who wants to go into a situation in which you know there is going to be conflict? No one. And yet, as parents, we have to walk into that sometimes multiple times a day. And at any point in time, we give ourselves very little credit for where we are in terms of how emotionally full we are. And the littlest things can turn into very big things. And we all lose our temper. We all lose our shit. And we all say things and do things that in a perfect world we would not do. But we don't live in a perfect world and we are just people trying our best, okay? And 
I am totally sitting with you in that moment of your kid saying that to you. I have, like, I mean, Ellis, as he gets older, has asked lots of times if, you know, my tired is because of him or my, like, whatever we're, I'm sharing. Is it because of how he is? And, you know, it, I. the thing is, is that it, it, some of it may be true. Yeah. I mean, we have kids in our house. Of course, our lives are different. That's separate than who our kids are. And it just feels like a punch in the gut at an already like draining moment to have your young baby ask you that kind of question. I just want you to know, one, there is like a 90% chance they are not going to remember it. Jesus Christ, Katie Bell just has no memory of me like breaking down in front of her at like three years old being like, I'm sorry, I'm ruining Christmas, right? <laughs> like full on hysterical that I was ruining Christmas and that it, I couldn't be perfect enough, right? No memory. And I'm like, well, I wish I had that magic pill that made me forget about that moment because I'm carrying that one with me to the grave. And two, they know that that is not the case. And you know that's not the case. And you are doing a remarkable job. And I see how at the end of it you all are. And I see how hard it is. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. And um, if you're looking for somebody to say, you don't have to brush that hair, uh, let me be that person to say that to you. If you're looking for somebody to say, brush it, let me be the one to say, whatever bribery needs to happen to make that happen, that is also okay. <laughs> because you're doing it. All right. You're doing a great job. Everybody, you are all doing a great job. Everything we talk about on the show and every time you get that feeling of feeling like something is off or it's too hard or how impossible it all is, that is because it actually is. And I think it's okay for us to start showing up even more to demand change, right? Whether that's small within a school, like, hey, if you're going to want parents at certain meetings, you got to provide childcare, right? For people to bring their kids. Whether it's making sure that your office or workplace has a pumping room or a privacy room. Whether it's keeping an eye out for your fellow parents and kids and making it easier. Like just, I see your kids asleep in the car. Do you want me to walk your kid from car line to your car so you don't have to wake the baby up, right? Like even little things like that uh, have an impact. And if you've got the strength and energy, you can do more. You can, you know, uh, write your representatives, You both local and both federal. You can vote voting it has an impact and you could also just not post a fucking meme that is dismissive that can be as easy as that so i just want you to know 
that you're doing a good job. I see you. I hope if you have school-age kids that they are back (laughs) and that there is some normalcy returning past summer. And I will talk to you next week. And until then, I will make sure there is space for you at the lowest of the low bars. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.